0: Hello and welcome to How To. As always, I'm your host, Matt Brandenburg, and today I am excited to share with you a conversation I had with Dr. Stacy Smallfield. Dr. Smallfield is an associate professor and the assistant director of entry-level professional programs at Washington University in St. Louis. She's been named to the AOTA's roster of fellows and used to serve as the president of the South Dakota State Occupational Therapy Association. And in the conversation I had with her, we talked a little bit about her early work doing systematic reviews and developing practice guidelines for the American Occupational Therapy Association on interventions for adults with low vision. She has a lot of expertise in evidence-based practice and best practices for occupational therapists. And fun little side note, she happens to be my faculty mentor here at WashU in St. Louis, so I'm lucky enough to get to learn from her and work with her almost on a daily basis. We'll also get to hear straight from Stacy what some of the best interventions occupational therapists can use for clients with low vision, as well as how everyday technology can be used to help all older adults and specifically those with low vision. We did talk about a lot more in addition to this low vision research, which is why this episode will be part of a two-episode series containing the entire interview with Dr. Stacy Smallfield. So stay tuned for both parts, but for now, let's get started with part one. Could you maybe share with, with us what led you to pursue your research and maybe what problems you set out to solve initially?
1: Sure, I think uh, I started in academia actually teaching in a master's program with a master's degree. And early in my career, then I chose to go on and get a post professional doctoral degree. And um, while doing that, I really focused all of my energy, my projects, everything I was doing um, in the area of older adults with low vision. So my um, while my doctoral program didn't have an um area of focus per se you know i personally directed all of my efforts in that direction and as part of that i had uh, was able to publish one of the projects that i had worked on in my doctoral degree program specifically in evidence-based practice so i had an early publication in um evidence-based practice in the area of older adults for low vision while i was doing my post-professional work and i think that's what led to then having aota contact me about doing evidence-based practice uh, specifically a systematic review for them they were at the time looking for review authors in the area of older adults with low vision It was the first time that they were doing a full Blown systematic review on that topic, so I think they had done a literature review just to see who's publishing and doing work mm-hmm. in that area, and had landed on that previous publication, and so they reached out to to they, see they if had I had hunted you sort of yes, <laughs> and which so that initially is what led to my first collaborative project with AOTA in the in the evidence based practice project that they do, so I was involved in that in that uh, low vision systematic review. And then um, once the systematic reviews are done, there's a number of of systematic review questions for each topic. So I was one of four or five questions under the umbrella of older adults with low vision. So then um, once all of those five questions are completed, they compile that into a practice guideline so that Uh, a clinician has one guide with all of the best evidence from all of those questions in that one document. And so, um, AOTA then asked if I would be willing to be a part of the writing of that practice guideline. So, you know, it led from one systematic review led to um, being a part of then the publishing of that practice guideline. You know, and then they became familiar with my work, familiar with um, the way I approach evidence-based practice, systematic reviews, Mm -hmm. and, you know, certainly then had the opportunity to express my interest if they uh, had other topics that would be uh, within my scope of practice experience and things like that, that I'd be interested in doing it again. And so that's what led me down this path of, evidence-based practice, and systematic reviews specifically in on topics related to gerontology.
0: Okay, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your research story. Yeah. Could you maybe summarize uh, for me and also some of our listeners who may not be aware of the older adults with low vision research findings, what those practice guidelines were?
1: Sure. So that was, you know, that was a while back. And so we probably published that research in 2012 and 2013 and and my biggest takeaway from that so I specifically looked at the evidence around um, what OTs can use for specifically to enhance the reading performance of older adults with low vision and when we think of uh, a person with low vision performing reading tasks some of the typical things that OTs have used for intervention are things like handheld magnifiers and stand magnifiers and even color overlays over print or enlarged print, you know, those are the kinds of interventions that we would typically think of. And what we really found in the research was that the strongest evidence is for stand-based electronic magnification. But there really isn't a lot of strong evidence that even handheld magnifiers are, are really producing a significant effect in terms of reading ability. Wow. And quite frankly, overlays are not effective at mm-hmm. all. And, and so what I found essentially was, uh, if you're going to use something, start with a stand-based electronic magnification and and the other thing we found was a comprehensive programs we found to be effective. So if strategies were a part of a more comprehensive program that also included other things, those were effective, but we didn't know what in that comprehensive program was the most important piece. Right? Okay. So yeah. it could have multiple components but which one is making the difference we didn't know we did know actually what did come through is that when OT was involved in comprehensive programs there were positive outcomes when there was a low vision rehab team that did not include OT the outcomes were not as strong so my biggest takeaways from the very first review were if you're going to enhance reading think first to use stand-based electronic magnification and if possible, use a comprehensive approach to low mm-hmm. vision rehab. Um, interestingly enough, we just now updated the you know 2000 the findings that were published in 2012. You know, a lots happened um, since then, and so we probably what I, two years ago started the update to those practice guidelines. So then we, we look, go back in the literature and see, well, what has been published since the time we looked at the our research originally, mm-hmm. what do we now know or have more evidence to support?
0: Okay.
1: And no one is actually doing much more research specifically in looking at the technology, the devices. Mm-hmm. We did not find additional literature on the use of handheld magnifiers or stand magnifiers or um, a lot of the stuff that we had found originally hasn't really come through or been updates to that so while we still know there's strong evidence for electronic magnification the bulk of the research that's been done during this update period is more in um, the population of people who have visual impairment because of neurological Mm-hmm. conditions, so post-stroke or post-TBI, who have some, some of those field-cut types of issues. And so th- the type of research that's being done now is more in the line of visual scanning types of activities and the effectiveness of things like eccentric viewing, and and, and how you're scan teaching okay. scanning techniques specifically for that population. Rather than a typical low vision population that we traditionally think of in terms of um, age related macular degeneration or diabetic retinopathy, those kinds of, of populations.
0: Wow. So, are you saying there's kind of a, a gap now in the research that hopefully can, can be filled to I, inform? Yeah, interestingly,
1: practices? in the area of low vision, there's been a ton of qualitative research, that, mm. and that typically doesn't get ranked as high. So, so a lot of the qualitative research that's been done is typically not included in the systematic reviews okay. because there's usually some higher levels of evidence. And so there actually is still a huge gap in research in in showing the effectiveness or finding out what is most effective for low vision rehab. We still know that comprehensive low vision rehab, especially when provided, um, when OT is a member of that team, is effective. We know stand-based electronic magnification is effective. Um, we also know that older adults uh, with vision loss tend to abandon devices so as their uh, disease progresses um, and they need stronger magnification handheld devices that maybe once worked well for them no longer are as effective and so there is a degree of abandonment low vision is also very interesting in the fact that people adapt naturally so there's a bit of, okay. of do, what do they learn on their own versus actually going, needing to go through a formal training to learn? And so it's really hard to tease out what someone has picked up as a strategy on their own because they found it works for them. Yeah. So things like a certain kind of lamp that works best, or. Um,
0: Could it be something like squinting as well? I know if I don't have my contacts on, I squint, right, trying right. to see. Right, uh, right. Or
1: things like. You know, they naturally have so-and-so set up their medication for them. Okay. Or they um, they know that it's the red button on the remote that turns it on and off rather than having someone teach them a full-blown strategy for, mm-hmm. you know, using devices and dials and things like that. And so there's a bit of... Um, Adaptation that happens on their own, and how much of that comes from skilled intervention is really hard to tease out. There have not been i still there aren't research studies that look at just those isolated components of what we think of in traditional low vision rehab, so we don't know which of those is is still the most effective or not
0: okay. And what would you say is kind of the current directions of of what you're researching now?
1: Um, Well, I think I could answer that in a couple of different ways. So staying on the path of low vision, I would say what is new emerging research, so future directions in low vision, is in the area of mainstream technology or... Uh, what people refer to as everyday technology. Okay. How can people with low vision use everyday technology to achieve some of the things that they are having more difficulty doing because of vision loss. So um, in the update to the systematic review in low vision, we saw a couple of articles come through that are using um, tablet computers or iPads mm-hmm. and how they can Um, potentially be used as a low vision device even though it's everyday technology and so I think that's the future direction of research in low vision because it doesn't scream I have low vision it looks like everyone else's technology and so so when you're thinking about technology acceptance and people using it because you know, people tend not to want to use devices if it reveals that they have a disability or an impairment, right? So anytime mm-hmm. you can hide that or, you know, allow them to do something but not tell the world that they have a disability is going to potentially have a higher acceptance rate. So when you can use a a tablet to find out the weather or to... Find out the directions of a recipe, or to um, even find your way in the community, or mm-hmm. you know, look up options on a menu before you get to the restaurant. So it doesn't, so it's not obvious that you're having difficulty reading the menu. You know, I think that's one of the future directions of research in terms of low vision.
0: Yeah. Thank you for joining us on this episode of How To, and be sure to join us on the next episode where we will hear more from Dr. Stacy Smallfield on her research expertise and how this research expertise can make the mass amounts of scientific literature that's available less overwhelming to everyday OT practitioners. We'll also get to hear some personal stories from Stacy's practice and hear from her some recommendations on things you can incorporate into everyday treatments with your clients see you next time